welcome to Coffee and Catholics, a Catholic women's talk show podcast. I'm Stacy, one of your hosts, and with me I have... Hi, I'm Alicia. And I'm Noelle. I'm Annie. And I'm Lauren. And today we're going to be talking about anxiety, how we cope with anxiety, how we deal with it, and how we move along in our lives with or without it or get rid of it and all the things as they come up. So who would like to share about their anxiety issues? <laughs> See, what the Let's audience doesn't know is that table. we just had the most amazing conversation right before this, before we decided to record this. So it's all fresh, but we're also all <laughs> talked out. But yeah, and I think we kind of talked about anxieties related to our motherhood and the things that go through our heads as moms, the worst case scenarios. How do we deal with being afraid of losing what we have, whether that's an accident or a relationship going south? This is stuff that every single woman lays awake thinking about at night. (laughs) What are we doing? Like every single one of us deals with this and we all had specific instances of that but how are we doing how do how do we handle it because you can't sometimes you can't make it go away so how do you endure how do you suffer well how do you get through it yeah so I mean one one of the things I was just talking about um was my anxiety with being a mom you know like I prior to getting married I didn't really want to get married I didn't want to have close friends I didn't want to have anything like that because if I had them and I lost them it would hurt And then I got married and I have kids and love them to death. And so I, you know, go in and out of um, times in my life where I just lay awake and I think about all the horrible things that could happen to them. Or, you know, um, right before they had swim lessons, their first, uh, my oldest two had their first swim lessons. I cried for like an hour the night before because I could just keep, I kept picturing them drowning. And like, you know, it was was awful. How right now, like I'm discerning and after talking to y'all a bit about it, 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 you know, it helped. But discerning whether or not I should incorporate, you know, um, you know, Jesus's prayer and the agony in the garden when he said, you know, you know, let this cup pass for me, but your will be done, God. You know, I want to incorporate that into every aspect of my life. But when I'm, you know, having those times when I'm, you know, laying awake at night worrying about my children and I ask God, you know, don't let them get hurt in this way. Don't let anybody hurt them, but your will be done. And I realize God's not ever going to like, you know, make somebody hurt them or make something bad happen to him, but he does have permissive will that, you know, bad things do happen in the world. Sometimes accidents, sometimes people do bad things. Um, and how do I go about saying, you know, your will be done in this instance when it could be something that, you know, I absolutely dread. Every mother would dread, but I think, you know, after talking to y'all about it, just, you know, just having that trust in God that, you know, it's it's that supernatural grace that you're talking about, Noel. That you know I can't do it by myself because it doesn't seem logical. It doesn't like my heart hurts thinking about that kind of a thing. But I think um, you know going back to Mary, you know, she trusted God during those times when she saw her son being harmed, and knowing that that was something that was going to come about. You know, he was talking about his passion, and I don't know if she heard all that. It doesn't talk about that, but you know, she was a part of that inner circle, so I'm sure she did you know, just trusting God enough to know that, you know, no matter what happens in life, like it's, it's not all going to be roses and butterflies and all that kind of stuff, but you can, you can trust him to know that it comes, his permissive will and his direct will comes from a place of love. Yeah. No matter what happens like that, that love is always there. He never abandons us. 
Well, I think we naturally go to the anxiety of loss, but there's also the anxiety of them making bad choices, you know, or them hurting somebody else, you know, and those kinds of things, or them, like, they're leaving the church, you know, those kinds of things. And um, uh, Dr. Ray Gurendi, he always says, don't don't have so much anxiety that you're going to fail your kids because we have the perfect father, you know, and look how we be sometimes, you know. (laughs) We have the perfect parent, and look how, how sometimes we behave. Um, but I think it's what brings me consolation is like, while I would die for my kids, he did. He already mm-hmm. fought that battle, you know. And um, there was one time where my husband and I we were on a plane, and I was pregnant with our third child. The plane was descending, and then all of a sudden it shot straight back up in the sky, and we didn't know what was going on for the longest time. And then the flight attendants start running up and down the aisles, and they're looking for the manual. And uh, that's that's not a good thing. I was thinking maybe somebody's having a baby, but wouldn't they want to do that on the ground? I don't know. Um, so they get the manual, and then they start walking us through, like, hey, the landing gear is not functioning, so we're going to have to make an emergency landing. Long story short, it worked fine. It was fine. But there was this uh, Filipino lady that asked me if I was a Christian when I sat, first sat down. And I said, yeah. And she goes, it's just so good to sit next to a Christian. And when this was happening, this crisis of them giving us the instructions, she's like, do you want to pray together? And I said, yeah. And she's like, don't let us die. And I'm like, I don't, <laughs> I don't want to pray with you anymore. <laughs> I just pray by myself. But I had this thought, you know, I wasn't even sitting next to my husband. And so I just started to cry and like confess my sins, be like, Lord, you know, please take care of my kids if something happens to us or whatever. And then all of a sudden, this incredible peace filled my heart. And it's a supernatural gift where clearly the Lord said to me, I love your kids so much, you know, and I want what's best for them. That type of, you know, we we sometimes think like anxiety bad, get away anxiety. But it, the anxiety doesn't go away until we're united with Jesus. Right. And even Mary, it's in scripture. The only time she's, you know, she's um, walked Jesus to the cross. She's been unexpectedly pregnant. She's had to flee to Egypt. And the only time scripture describes her as anxious is when Jesus is apart from her, when he's in the temple. And she says, I was anxiously looking for you. Um, that should speak very deeply to how we cope with anxiety. It's not, and I'm not talking about the medical issue anxiety. I'm talking about that spiritual anxiety, that worry that can kind of seep in and distract us from prayer too. But just that uniting those worries to Jesus and handing them over, it's hard, but he replaces that with a peace and with a grace and a courage to do whatever it is that he's asking us to do. Um, but yeah, we. I totally think it's way easier to be like Jesus. I trust in you rather than Jesus. I trust my family to you. <laughs> yeah. It's a lot harder to do that. I was talking to a friend of mine. Um, we were talking about some of the same issues um, that you were, Alicia, about just staying up at night and just like those worries and just, just constantly just couldn't get to sleep. And I do this this too. Um, so we were discussing uh, just this, these issues, and she said that she realized that one night she was just just up couldn't fall asleep just constantly just what if this happens what if this happens and she realized just this is a spiritual attack yes. mm-hmm. and she immediately she started praying the saint michael prayer and she had peace and fell asleep mm-hmm. they they went away and if she they ever she does have those that, that anxiety at night like that's her go-to now and it's just brings her so much peace because that that's what this is it's i, heard, I read somewhere um 
somebody said like worry is like akin to atheism it's that that separation from from jesus like you're mm-hmm. you're separating yourself and yeah we all kind of have that but if but as soon as we return to jesus and that as soon as we return to god and give it to him we you know we give that control we give up the control like that's my issue is control <laughs> um, all of us <laughs> then there's that peace you just have to realize we're not in control of this at all mm-hmm. i was gonna say and worry also comes from a, a sense of impending loss when we lose things, they don't. We get upset about them, especially if it's a person. And that, that worry and that upsetness comes from love. One of the things I said earlier was that love is from God, and the devil likes to twist things. He likes to take beautiful things and twist them. And so when we get so focused on what we could lose, we stop paying attention to what we have. See it. We can't be grateful that we're spending this time with our family. We can't be grateful that, you know, yes, we might be having some financial hardships or whatever, but we have our house. There's a lot of people who are homeless in this world. It makes it hard for us to be grateful for the gifts that we have when we get wrapped up in worry. So like the devil likes to take this th- seed that was beautiful. It was love, but there, you lose the moment. You lose the beauty of the moment, the gift of the moment, when you get wrapped up in worry and anxiety and you let it consume you. And like Annie, you said, it's a spiritual attack. Yeah, I think it's super, super important for us to remember that not every thought that comes into our mind comes from us. Mm -hmm. And that's not to say that every single aberrant or negative or fearful thought is from the devil, but Mm -hmm. you also have to make a choice with every thought. And every thought becomes an offering. That's why scripture says, take captive every thought, make it obedient to Christ. Which is what, Alicia, you were talking about how the way that you're dealing with this right now is just when these thoughts come, you just offer it to the will of God. Which is literally the most perfect thing that you could do. (laughs) Because when they come, they come. And we have to decide, am I going to go down this, this road, this rabbit trail, Or am I going to just take this for what it is, an opportunity Mm -hmm. to once again (laughs) surrender my will, the way I want things to go, to the Father? I mean, when taken like that, anxiety is an invitation. And it's also part of love. Like Noel and Annie said, anxiety is what happens when you're living in a world you weren't designed for. Like, we were not made for this kind of pain. We were not made for death. This is not what humans, this is why we fight against that so much. We were made for constant security inside the love of the Trinity, being coddled and loved and talked to the way that it was in Eden. And because of sin, now we're living in a war zone. We just aren't functioning well with that. (laughs) Anxiety is what happens when body, soul, composites live in a completely material world. And the spiritual realm is all around us all the time. But you wouldn't know it by the way that most of us just, or just the world around us, everything depends on me and you. Like we have to protect our children, right? Like we have to make sure that we don't put them in any situations where they could get hurt because then they could get hurt. We gotta recognize when those thoughts are happening and reject those thoughts because those are not thoughts that reflect the way we were made. We're designed to depend on God, like to function with him in a constant flow of grace, you know, the equal yoking. But for me, I, 
constantly the enemy tries to derail me with worry and anxiety, only because he knows he can, and he's done it before, and it worked then, it's going to work now, you know? But I really, really love what you said about just, okay, I'm laying in bed at night, and I'm thinking my husband's going to leave me. I mean, you didn't say this, but I'm just giving you an example. My husband's going to leave me, or my child's going to die. So whatever that is, that thing that pains you to your soul, suddenly you're at the cross, and it's yours, and you have to offer that. Okay, if it happens, thy will be done. You're participating in the suffering of Christ, literally his words, when we offer our thoughts like that. It becomes spiritual. So I just think we shouldn't, like you said, we shouldn't really try to push away or expect anxiety to go away Mm -hmm. because that's just kind of the nature of love in general. Jesus is anxious for us. How many times did he tell Faustina, you know, oh, you know, my heart is just breaking right now because I can't help. They won't let me help. They won't Mm -hmm. take my graces. They're they're spurning them. Jesus is anxious for us, and we're going to be anxious for the people we love too. So. Mm -hmm. And you think, too, the story of Lazarus. Well, Jesus already knew he's going to raise Lazarus. He already knows the end of the story. Like, it's going to be fine, (laughs) you know? And if I were Jesus, I'd be in there like, everybody step aside and prepare to be amazed. (laughs) (laughs) Pull out your lawn chairs. (laughs) Like, this is going to be amazing. But but he enters completely into that grief. Mm -hmm. He weeps. And he, I always am drawn to the part where people are talking about him weeping, like see how much he loved him. So it wasn't just like a, a teary-eyed. It was a grief, mm-hmm. a serious grief. Mm-hmm. So he enters into that, even though he knows the end of the story. So I think, you know, sometimes we try to over-spiritualize, like let's not, um, or if you're worried, you know, that's bad and that shows a lack of faith. It's like, okay, enter into that worry, but right. then let's turn it over to Jesus and yes. let's give it to him. Father Robert Spitzer says, um, we have to interrupt the arrows of darkness. So rather than continue to replay that anxiety and those conversations and what we think people think of us or whatever that may be, um, those scenarios, worst case scenarios, whatever, interrupt that with a, a, a prayer of gratitude um, or just acknowledgement of Jesus as Lord, you know, and saying that, and, and when you interrupt that eros of darkness, because he says, you know, we get, he uses the word eros because we sometimes get like a, an entertainment or a pleasure from it sometimes too. Like <laughs> it feels like something we can control. It's like a negative pleasure. Um, like if I worry about it enough, it won't happen. So right. Like right. Some sort of strange yeah, thing if I something. think about every possible scenario, right. then I'll be prepared for whatever scenario it is. I always think that I'm going to be like a total, you know, like Wonder Woman in any scenario. <laughs> I'm like not that personality type. I'm the panicker. Um, but yeah, so just interrupting that time. Like don't feel like you're a bad person or you are lacking in faith, but ask Jesus, because he knows, like, he knows that grief, he knows the anxiety, he understands, but he's going to, he's going to bring you out to the other side. Oh, I, and I love how you just said that, because I just recently was working through with some other women, the story of Jesus crossing in the boat with the disciples, and he's asleep, and the storm comes, and the boat has had water, like, Jesus is in a bathtub, basically, because the water's in the boat, and the boat's going down, and he's still sleeping, and the disciples are all really anxious and worried, and they call out to him, 
And that's what we need to do is we need mm-hmm. to call out to him. And he wakes up and he's like, he knew everything was going to be fine. But he wakes up and he takes care of the storm and he calms the storm. And he, all they had to do is call in his name. Yeah. And how long were they scooping water out of the boat, freaking out and cussing mm-hmm. under their breaths <laughs> and trying to fix it before they realized... Mm-hmm. Oh, right, yeah. <laughs> like, that's the perfect example of how hobbity humans are. Like, we're just ridiculous. Like, we think we can just, we have to handle this ourselves. Like, oh, I'm going to fix this situation. We can't fix anything. Mm-hmm. We're hopeless. Yeah. Well, <laughs> like, and how candid they were. Don't you care that we're sinking? <laughs> well, you haven't asked me to help yet. So, <laughs> I was wait, you know, he waits for us to, yeah. like, mm-hmm. He waits for us to ask, yeah. and I know that that sounds kind of s- silly to some people, but he does because we have that free w- will. We have the free will to think we can do it all, be superwoman or whatever. But in the end, we have to ask him for help, mm-hmm. and it's well, okay to ask him for help. Yeah, and I think like one thing that I've learned, like in relation to that story, is like you know when you do ask. It doesn't necessarily mean that Jesus is just going to make the storm in your life go away and mm-hmm. get better. Or if he does, it might take a long time, a lot longer than you expect it to. But I think the the main thing that can happen, um, again, if you use him as your constant in your life, is that he can kind of calm that storm in your heart and that anxiety that you have rather than necessarily the circumstances that you live in. Mm-hmm. So like one of the things I've... I learned to do with, and I don't know, I'm sure is this is a, this is a Holy Spirit thing. I know it is. Um, but I had a lot of anxiety about a certain thing, uh, for a long time. And one of the prayers that really like started helping me was just when I, when this, this situation would pop up or thoughts would pop up. And I do this the same with, you know, any anxieties about my kids or my husband or, you know, jobs or whatever, you know, when those kind of those thoughts pop in those negative thoughts and I start to really worry about them as I ask God, you know, like, you know, take this from me, you know, your will be done like in and through me. So like, I want your will to be done in my mind and in my heart. And I want you to change me through this. Like, you know, I want, I want to be my heart to be open to you so that everything, like all of these circumstances, you can use them to change me. And then through that, you can, you know, your will be done like through me. Because that's ultimately, you know, like what I, I need in life and I really want in life. Although I don't always show it, but, <laughs> um, you know, I want that. And another point that you all reminded me of, Stacy and, and, and Lauren, was that, you know, when I'm worrying about these things, like I think it's helpful for me. And I don't always think about this and it's, it's not always, I don't always let it be helpful. But, like, reminding myself that, like, the things that I have, like, my children and everything else, I'm not entitled to them. Like, yeah, they are mine. You know, like, God gave that they're mine only because God gave them to me as a gift. Because ultimately, they belong to God. And so, you know, it's the same way with, you know, me to my husband and and, and everything else. Like, they're not entitled to me. We're all gifts to one another. And, um... So when I think about it that way, like it, it, it does kind of help that, you know, like it's, I don't know, it, for, for some reason for me, that brings me a bit of peace. Me too. Mm-hmm. So. You, you put it beautifully, but that's what got me through my miscarriage with Angel is that we're not made for this world. Mm-hmm. Angel wasn't made for this world and God had a plan and that plan was for Angel to be created and then taken back to his kingdom. And 
angel wasn't mine, but now we have an intercessor for our family, exactly. and God knows better. And you know, with that, yeah, well, it brings a peace. It doesn't make things easy, but it makes it gives a peace. Yeah, and I had a similar kind of thing because when I was worried about, you know, after my miscarriage, like or the miscarriage that I had, I don't like to refer it as my miscarriage, but anyways, the miscarriage that I had. Um, you know, I kept saying like, why me, God, why would you do this to me? And then after a while of praying about it and, you know, going through all of this that God was bringing me through, like, I realized like, it's not all about me. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, she was her own little soul. Yes. She is her own little soul. Mm-hmm. She's her own little person with a will that God had specifically for her mm-hmm. and has specifically for her. And so related to, you know, her being a gift, she was a gift and I got to have her for a very short period of time. But again, it's not all about me. It's, you know, she's, she's now living out her eternal purpose with God. And I'm incredibly grateful for that. Most of my anxiety, I think, inhibited itself, like, after the fact, like, all the shoulda, coulda, wouldas. Like, um, yeah. you know, it's always yeah. over, like, little things. Like, the first time we did our podcast recording, like, everything went great. But, like, we're in the middle of Colorado on vacation camping and I am awake at one o'clock in the morning thinking about all the things that I should have said or could have said differently because like that's when it decided to like rear its ugly head Uh, and um so I mean it's like never it's usually about things like that like where it's not like even a big deal Right, mm-hmm. but it can rob you. Yeah, yes. yeah. And I'm like sitting there in my head thinking, this is stupid. Why am I thinking this? I need to stop say, thinking about all this stuff because it was fine. And I'm probably going to repeat this and say this exact same same conversation. And like I have this conversation in my head, the one I'm right now saying. <laughs> and I th- so this crazy thing, y'all are going to think I'm so weird, I, but it's that. okay. <laughs> I don't even I like you anyway. But um, yeah, I have no anxiety about this. Um, but the other night, I woke up and I felt like a darkness hovering over my husband, which is so crazy. And I instantly was like, in the name of Jesus, go away. And my husband, the next day and the next afternoon, he told me, oh my gosh, I was having these really deep dreams and I was being attacked last night. And, I, and so then I told him, oh my gosh, David, I had this thing, you know, where I was sensing that you were being attacked. And I just said, in the name of Jesus, go away. And instantly I felt like it was gone. And I, I think sometimes too, we have anxiety about bringing our anxiety and is our anxiety gone? And, and I think it's so quick. If it's a spiritual attack, it's so quick to say, in the name of Jesus, go away. In the name of Jesus, I rebuke this anxiety. In the name of Jesus, I rebuke this self-doubt that keeps coming up. Um, and it, and it's gone. Demons run and flee in the name of Jesus. Just say that one little short prayer um, just to instantly find a, a clearness and to be able to then pray uh, into that too. I think we are also living in really unprecedented uh, times where evil is really being given quite a playground um, mm-hmm. and, a, and a platform. Mm-hmm. And... <laughs> It's being allowed to do, you know, and, and even, you know, it's always funny because um, I don't remember who said this, but the devil always overplays his hand. He's very prideful. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, you know, he's going to show off mm-hmm. and he's going to make assumptions. And you can see this going on now with all of the things that are happening and all over the world. Um, Christians being persecuted in horrifically high numbers, higher than any other time in history, mm-hmm. in a myriad of ways and all, all over the world, not just... Uh, and as an American thing. Right. And I think that he's 
you know, he, he understands that his time is short. And so he's doing as much damage as he can. Mm -hmm. And that's going to, and for those people that are trying to really conform their, their life to God's will the way that you are, earnestly, all of us attempting to choose God's will, he is going to, that is going to irritate him. And that's just uh, something that we're going to have to face. But it's like you said, there's a point where you're not worth this time anymore. When you continue to stop those arrows, when you continue to take captive those thoughts, and you say, you're not going to be able to get anywhere here. Mm -hmm. We're short up here. Go, mm -hmm. go somewhere else. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, at a, at, there's a point where, you know, re when we come near to God, we resist the devil and he flees, like mm -hmm. you said. Mm -hmm. So we know what we can do with this stuff. Oh, and the other thing is confession. Yes. yes. Oh, my oh, gosh. <laughs> Why do we have so much anxiety about our sins and take so stinking long to get our buds to confession? Mm. Instant mystery. healing mm -hmm. right there, you know? Yeah, I, I had I like I've had like a love hate relationship with confession in the past because like it, it gave me a bit of anxiety uh, going because I was worried like, it, you know, I still have those times where I'm like, I really don't want to confess this sin. This is a bad one. Like, yeah. That's because he's up there. And he sees you every week. And I'm not talking about Jesus. I'm talking about the priest. Exactly. <laughs> he's exactly. supposed to forget and and. And he probably does. Yeah, but he's heard it all. Yeah, he's heard it all, and he probably does forget. Mm -hmm. But you just have that little that that little what something. If? What if? Yeah, what if? What if? Yeah, yeah. But I mean, it, yeah, confession always makes it better. Mm -hmm. But um, is it in a mini exorcism? Yeah, yes. every it? confession is a mini exorcism. That's awesome. I love that term for it, that reconciliation, that reminding yes. you that it's not just you're confessing your sins, but you're reconciling yes. with God. Because yes. yeah, mm -hmm. God already knows your sins. Yeah. It's you purposefully going and saying, I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. yeah, well, I want to be one with you again. And yeah. our physical need to hear your sins are forgiven. Yes. yes. Because we're not just souls. Mm -hmm. We have a body and we have a bodily need. And when I go, if I tell my husband I'm sorry and he has no response to me, you know, mm -hmm. even if I know he's forgiven, I need to hear those words. Mm -hmm. Like, yep. I forgive you, you know, and then yes. you know right away everything's right again we start fresh mm -hmm. i see that just with my my kids like yeah. today they were fighting and one of them came in crying because the other one wouldn't say i forgive you um Aww. i mean so i mean they're just that that need that that bodily you know need to hear the words like even though they would be could be playing fine everything but you need to hear that i forgive you um, and we know we're forgiven. I mean, you read the Bible, you're told <laughs> you are, we are forgiven, but, um, about that specific thing and that reconciling, that remembering that this has, you know, this has truly brought you back, back to God. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And when you say it out loud, it's like a physical uncovering of that wound right. too. So it's kind of both ways. We need to hear, I forgive you or, you know, your sins are forgiven, but also we need to uncover those wounds so that they can be healed because... If we keep hiding them, it's just going to continue to fester. And what did Jesus say? You know, obviously there's this blind man sitting on the side of the road. Well, we know what he needs you to do for him, clearly. Right. <laughs> but Jesus says, what do you want me to do for you? Mm. Like, there has to be a, an exchange here, you know, mm -hmm. where we say, this is, these are my sins, which are, these are my wounds, okay? Because all sin is a wound. Yep. It's, it's a wound that goes back to the very beginning. These are my wounds. Heal me. That's what confession is. And I also think that we have to stop this whole, I just got to go off on here on a tangent a little bit. This whole, oh, you don't need to go to confession unless you have mortal sin. That is a bunch of baloney. Come at me. Write me a letter. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> you do need to go to confession. You do need that grace and that sacrament. Anytime you need repeated confession, even for venial sins or even habitual venial sins, especially because those can do real damage to our souls. We need to have that grace of healing in our lives to be able to hear the voice of God, to move forward, and to heal from our wounds. Do not wait until you have mortal sin. Mm -hmm. Don't have mortal sin. But do not (laughs) wait until you have a serious sin to go regularly to confession. You need that grace. You were made for it. Yeah, The venial sins are... A gateway to the moral mm-hmm. sins. Yeah. Well, and I, I've personally experienced if I don't go to confession for a long time, those habitual venial sins that I tend to commit, that lying, the whatever else, it like I just I get lost in it, and yeah. it becomes mm-hmm. harder to not do. I guess I I, I allow myself to do it right. more. I should say. But then when I go to confession, it's almost like a reset. Like I'm kind of that, that burden's kind of lifted that like, you know, that weight that I allowed to build up for so long, like has kind of been lifted and it's easier to stay away from them. Like having um, an accountability partner with the priest, mm-hmm. you know, like, it is, it like, is. cause you don't want to be just going and, you know, saying the same things every time, but you're saying the same things and you know that mm-hmm. he's going to say, well, I mean, he, for, he's supposed to forgive, but if you're there every week saying, you know, I yelled at my kids, he's going to know you yelled at your kids. You're going to be saying this. Um, I mean, that's a, you know, I yell at my kids. <laughs> it's because they can't hear you. I never, I never yell at my kids. Same. Just kidding. <laughs> but you work harder to try to not have to sure. say that. Yes. <laughs> and yes. sometimes that may be the only reason. If that's what's going to keep you from, from you know, separating yourself from God in that way, there's some grace to that still. So kind of wrap things up. Anxiety is a separation from God. And we separate ourselves from Jesus and from God. It doesn't always start out that way, but it can lead, it can go that way. When we indulge it. When, when we indulge it. Yeah. And then some of those worries and indulgences come from unhealed wounds that we need to share with Jesus through confession. Because if we don't go to Jesus, then as a priest just told me this past weekend... You'll end up sharing those that hurt with the wrong person in the wrong way at the wrong time. And Jesus is always the right way. So give it up to Jesus. And as always, thank you for joining us. Thanks. Thank you. Please join us again in two weeks for Episode 5, where we'll discuss natural family planning. Hello. This is Stacy, one of your hosts. I'd like to take a moment to talk about the next two episodes of Coffee and Catholics. Episode 5 is about natural family planning, and episode 6 is about pregnancy and infant loss. Some of you might be sensitive to the topics that will be discussed in these next two episodes. Also, we use technical terms in both of these episodes that some of you may not be comfortable with younger viewers hearing. Therefore, listener discretion is advised for episodes 5 and 6. Until then, may God bless you and may Mary accompany you.